Welcome to another episode of Digital Business Models by Ford Week MBA. In this episode, I'm interviewing Elliot Brown, who is a reporter of the Wall Street Journal and he has been a reporter of the Wall Street Journal since 2010. He has been covering several startup stories and also uh, many stories in the real estate space. He's the author of a great book called The Cult of We. We work and the great startup delusion together with Maureen Farrell. Now, this story is such a fun story to read, and the book uh, goes very, very fast because there are so many interesting facts inside about the WeWork story. If you're not familiar with WeWork, this was once one of the most important startups that we had, at least until 2019, when things went down a lot for the company. So in this episode, we covered the story, how it managed to become first a multi-billion dollar company, almost reaching over $40 billion valuation in the private market before actually the collapse. So we're going to see what happened uh, within the company. What were the dynamics between like the, the main founder, Adam Newman, who was sort of charismatic figure that managed to actually fundraise billions and billions of dollars from the most important venture capital firms, mutual funds and investment funds across the world. We see how things unraveled, how things changed very fast, how Newman was hosted uh, by the company that he founded and how the company lost a lot of billions in valuation in a very short span of time. So let's get to it. Thanks, Elliot, for joining this conversation. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. Happy to be here. Yeah, so uh, you, you wrote a, a great book, which is The, the Cult of We, as we saw in the introduction. It's uh, such a, a you know a fun story to read. The, the, the book uh, goes uh, very, very quickly, even though it's a very big book, actually, because there are many interesting stories that it seems that the number of stories that uh, you, know, you, you find uh, never uh, end. And that's why it's uh, so um, you know, compelling to read. And it's really the story of, uh, of WeWork. So uh, let's start uh, from there. Uh, what was uh, your background when you actually started to cover WeWork? Uh, I mean, what, what actually prompted you to, to cover uh, the, the WeWork uh, story? Yeah, so it was uh, many years ago that, that I first came upon them. So I was at the Wall Street Journal in 2013 covering commercial real estate and the office market. And so I was just sort of interested in new trends in, in the office market and how people were working. And uh, a lot of people were talking about co-working spaces. And so I, I sort of went down to lower Manhattan and, and met this one company that was leasing a lot of space. Uh, and I heard the CEO was kind of fun um, and talkative. So uh, <laughs> that's when I first came upon them and I met with Adam Newman. Oh, and um, I guess at the time uh, WeWork was uh, one of the, 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 the hottest companies in, in New York. So it uh, was very easy to end up uh, uh, hearing about, uh, about that. But can you tell us a little bit more about the, the background of, uh, of Newman, which uh, is, uh, was the founder of WeWork, uh, um, how was uh, his life, you know, before getting in New York and uh, sort of the experiences that brought uh, Newman to actually create WeWork in the first place? 
Yeah, so he had a pretty interesting life. He he grew up in in Israel largely. Uh, he did a brief stint in the U.S., but um, his parents were doctors. His mom they were divorced. His mom was you know, kind of unstable and always moving them around, always running, spending all the money she, she had, and so they were kind of running out of money, even though she you know had a decent paying career. Um, and they spent some time on a kibbutz, uh, which, you know, communal sort of socialist experiment uh, type thing in Israel. Um, and he, you know, someone we talked to remembers that even then when he was just a teenager, he um, was always sort of brash and, and um, had this real desire to make money, which is kind of a funny thing to come out of a, a socialist um, communist uh, little village. Uh, so, you know, fast forward, he, he, he did some time in the Navy um, in, in Israel as is compulsory. And then um, he, he just wanted to get to New York and, and become rich. And so uh, he, he moved there. His sister was a supermodel, um, lived with her. She, she mostly supplied the money and he tried to start a baby clothes company or he did start a baby clothes company that um, tried to make uh, clothing that that had knee pads for, for babies when they're crawling and it was called crawlers so the idea was that um you know babies uh are, are must have their knees must hurt and so he, here's a way to make it so they don't <laughs> and didn't go very well yeah and also uh, because i mean at the time it was uh, it was a guy in his uh, 20s and he was selling like a product for babies he didn't have babies actually probably didn't even understand what uh, being a parent uh, was um, at the time but also there is uh, another interesting paradox of uh, this uh, whole story which is uh, quite curious so, as you said they when he was a kid uh, he had the chance to actually hang out in a, in a kibbutz which is a sort of a, a closed a gated community where sort of, uh, there is this sort of uh, communism where uh, you share everything and um, was there um, like um, how important was this experience to Adam Newman in on, on the negative side and also on the on the positive side yeah I mean it's it's sort of well I'll tell you what he said uh, and though it's sort of hard to, to differentiate um, uh, myth from reality so um, you know he said on the kibbutz that, that he learned the value of community uh and how it's great to share everything and you know th this is a place that had a uh one m m sort of big dining hall for for everyone in the community to eat at and uh at first they when he first got there i think they they actually you know had unlimited meals and you would just take what you wanted but then over time it wasn't working it, it was um uh, financially or economically broken and so they had to start charging people to uh or limiting pe how much people could take unless they wanted to, to pay um at one point nobody owned cars they just had two shared cars for the community but, but these and you know at one point they allowed you to to sort of not have to pay for power and then everyone would just run the air conditioner all day long so uh, it, it was sort of broken in that sense and i think and you know to sort of listen to adam he he learned that you should take the um the, you know the communal aspects but the uh but you need a real uh strict capitalist layer over that so he called it the we work was a capitalist kibbutz which which is of course a, a pretty strong contradiction but he, mm -hmm. contradictions never really stopped at him yeah absolutely we, we see that uh, throughout uh, this uh, this uh, this episode and uh, interesting uh, the, the interesting part is that of course uh, this uh, experience uh, as, as a kid in the in the kibbutz actually was uh, uh, let's say uh, to to recap a little bit. Uh, he learned that uh, actually 
uh, yes, the, the, the community was important, but then on the other side, you needed to also give it a sort of a, of a, of a, a business model to actually make it work. Even though, as we'll see uh, throughout the story, actually, uh, WeWork ended up uh, sort of like a, a kibbutz where, uh, you know, the, 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 the money uh, burned. There was a lot. There was a lot of talk about the community and a lot of buzzwords, but uh, uh, also a lot of money burned along the way. So uh, also we see that. Um, the company at a certain point was not um, uh, financially uh, viable. So what happened next? Like, uh, okay, Adam Newman, uh, he uh, moved from uh, Israel to New York, uh, New York City. He started to have some experiences as, as an entrepreneur with a, with a failed, as you said, uh, a startup called uh, Crawlers, where he sold, you know, uh, clothes for, for, for kids um, and uh, it didn't work. And then suddenly something happened that actually gave him the idea of WeWork. What was that? Um, yeah, it was actually, he, he just was in class. He was always looking for, for new ideas. He was clearly just, he didn't care what it was. It, it was, I want to make money and this baby clothes thing isn't working. And he met someone who ran a office space subleasing company, uh, a little incubator type environment called Sunshine Suites. Uh, and it was the son of a classmate of his at, at, at college. And the, the, that guy showed him around uh, Sunshine Suites and showed him the business. And Adam was really impressed by how much money he was making. And so he saw that in Manhattan and he basically said, we, we can, he went back to a, a guy he had met who he was sort of friendly with and said, hey, you're an architect. Do you want to do this with me in Brooklyn? Um, and because they, they were working out of the same office. Um, and uh, this, the, you know, that became his co-founder, Miguel McKelvey. And, and so they, they started a, a predecessor to WeWork in um, Brooklyn when they convinced a, their landlord to essentially give them a floor and, and put up the money to do this. And all they had was sort of the, the idea and um, you know, sweat equity. Mm -hmm. And how, how did uh, this is uh, interesting because uh, this will connect also to, to the next uh, steps. How did actually Adam Newman convince the, 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 the landlord in the first place to actually uh, rent the, the property. I mean, those were, uh, just to remember, two guys in, uh, in their 20s trying to enter the real estate business in New York, uh, which is extremely competitive, and yet uh, they managed to, to, to enter that business. I mean, what, was, uh, what happened there? Yeah, I mean, I think Adam just, you know, a, a main theme here is that Adam is, is one of the world's great salesmen. And even though he had no experience in real estate or had no idea what he was doing, he was able to just by, by talking, uh, sell the, the landlord on, on this vision that didn't exist. And uh, it, this is a, a sort of constant theme. Like he did it actually decently well with baby clothes, but the problem is the, the product was no good. And, and uh, it wasn't really a, a market that made much sense, but, but he at least could like draw a crowd of people around him interested in buying these baby clothes at these baby clothes conventions. So um, it, was, it was merely just the power of persuasion and, and gifted salesmanship that, that got the landlord to commit. Yeah, and uh, uh, we, we'll see that this is a recurring uh, theme, uh, the, 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 the ability of Adam Newman actually to convince people 
in his uh, grand, grandiose uh, vision. And um, uh, actually, um, and this was actually, the, the startup uh, turned out to be uh, successful also because for a little bit of context, we were in the years uh, 2010s where, uh, you know, we, we uh, went through uh, one of the largest, uh, the, the biggest recession, recessions of, of our times, especially in the US. So it's also true that there was some convincing uh, by Adam Newman, but then on the other side, it's also true that many of those commercial buildings were also empty. So it was hard for uh, real estate uh, owners to actually uh, turn them uh, in, in um, profitable uh, commercial buildings. So definitely this might have helped also Adam Newman as uh, he was uh, rising to become a successful entrepreneur. And what happened next? I mean, um, the, the, the startup actually worked, uh, but the, the interesting part is that as, long as, as soon as it started to work out, Adam Newman has, had already a, a grandiose vision for, for the future. What happened there? Like uh, why this first uh, attempt uh, with, the, with the, what was called the uh, Green Desk? So the first, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the first like attempt to, to make it in the real estate scene in New York, uh, what happened next? Yeah, I think basically Adam was just not content with making hundreds of thousands of dollars. He wanted to make millions. And then quickly when, when he saw that millions might be attainable, he wanted to make billions of dollars. And so um, basically he, he just, you know, from 2011 or so onward, uh, when he started WeWork, um, he was in constant fundraising mode and just was always sort of climbing uh, to the next larger, uh, you know, rung of the ladder uh, where, where we're the big, always looking for the bigger fish uh, that, that had lots of money. So early on in, in you know, 2010, he, he found some sort of small backers and then he got introduced uh, you know, WeWork opens one or two locations and then he gets introduced to some people with more reputable names and then gets them and then gets like a third location. And then the thing that really took off and that gave him huge sort of uh, star, like, uh, you, you know, sparkles in his eyes uh, for, for what the future could be was when he, he first sort of discovered venture capital mm -hmm. um, and that they were looking exactly for the type of thing that Adam wanted, which was uh, some to make a giant business. Uh, and so he realized that the venture capital was where the money is. And so he started talking to venture capital firms and got one of the best ones out there interested in him. Um, and they, they gave him uh, his Series A investment in 2012. Yeah, as we see, uh, this is a, a key point where Adam Newman had uh, learned how to play the fundraising game. Actually, we, we can say that he was one of the, the best in playing that. Uh, and... Um, he will, uh, he, he will go through uh, many rounds and manage to keep control over the company. But there is also, before we move uh, forward to uh, that, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to that story, there, there was also a person that played uh, a role in, in Adam, uh, Adam's life behind his, uh, his uh, main uh, partner, which was McKilvey, as you said, uh, which was probably the opposite of Adam Newman. Um, there was also Rebecca Paltrow, um, which would eventually become his wife. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit more about the story? How uh, they, you know, just some of the things that you also tell in the books in the book that are quite interesting to understand how the the couple came together and now also Rebecca shaped Adam as a person moving forward. Yeah, I think they were sort of met by chance, the two of them through through a friend, and and she had a lot of what what Adam was interested in. I mean, he he loves Adam loves status and and you know social power, 
and celebrity. And she is the first cousin of Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, and then she also, uh, you know, I, I think quickly saw Adam, like a friend thought she saw him as a project and is like, here's this guy who, you know, has a failing business and, uh, you know, is full of BS. Uh, and maybe I can en enlighten him. And she was very spiritual. So she had him immediately like start. She's like, if you're going to date me, you have to uh, have a spiritual side. So she took him to the Kabbalah Center, which is um, sort of Jewish mystical mysticism thing um, and got him really involved there. And then he really liked that because lots of rich people were there. And so he got to you know, network with, with rich people. Um, and so she, I think overall, she sort of infused WeWork and Adam with, this sort of woo-woo spiritualist uh, side of things. Maybe the way to think about it is um, we work, we, you know, when they talk a lot about we and, and, and the power of community and, and you know, th that was the Rebecca side, I think. And Adam uh, was more focused on the, the rapid growth and, and making billions side. And so sort of together they melded uh, to, to create WeWork. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, it's uh, important that you mentioned the the, the, the Kabbalah Center, which uh, uh, was uh, I don't know how to define it, probably like a New Age, uh, you know, a New York uh, uh, like community where many um, you know uh, famous people also hanged out, uh, many wealthy people hanged out, which was also an important source of connection uh, for for Adam in the in the early years of building up. Uh, um, we work. So a couple of points which are very important. So as you said, Rebecca uh, Paltrow, uh, which was uh, the, 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 the cousin of Winner Paltrow, and eventually would uh, turn out to be the wife and the main companion of Adam Newman as uh, we go through this journey, because we'll see she would play also a role in, in the company, a big role in the company. But uh, pretty much uh, uh, the, uh, she uh, sort of uh, um, brought Adam Newman toward this part of uh, uh, spirituality, but uh, we'll see also that a lot of it was uh, um, empty, meaning that, uh, you know, that there were a lot of bad words and um, some of these uh, spiritual stuff was also translated in, uh, in financial uh, metrics that they would later use uh, when we work would eventually try to, to IPO. Um, but yeah, so just two key points. The, the, uh, uh, Rebecca uh, Newman uh, also brought Adam Newman within a circle of people that would help him, in the, especially in the first years, to uh, kick off the, the company because there were many interesting connections. And then also many on the circle of, uh, of his wife also were people that eventually became uh, very close um, people within uh, within the company, so it was like the top management within the WeWork, because as we'll see, the company was managed in a in a very family um, uh, oriented way, and uh, the the aspect of uh, this uh, uh, community and spirituality also used as a, as a leverage to to actually have employees work uh, way behind what they were supposed to, which as we see, it's what's another of the contradiction uh, of uh, the whole WeWork story, which also makes it uh, so, so interesting. And um, uh, as we move forward, there is an interesting fact. So um, we have this company, WeWork. Again, there is this guy coming from Israel. He goes to New York, the city. It's incredible. He has the, probably the most incredible time of his life. He's in his 20s. After a few attempts of uh, building up a successful startup, uh, um, he fails uh, various times. One of the, the major failures, as we, saw, as, as we said, was like crawlers 
company uh, selling baby clothes and then after removed to green desk which was the first uh, real success and also the first exit because from green desk adam newman would uh, actually cash out uh, about half a million or something like that which he would mm -hmm. later use for creating a, another startup uh, actually we work but um the, the interesting part is uh, uh we work was created and you said uh, you know the, the company was growing uh, again, uh, we are in the context of uh, the year 2010 and going forward, uh, uh, just the end of the recession, uh, many of the commercial spaces were um, empty, so it was also probably easier to, to start a company in, in that sense by leveraging the, the, the short-term lease aspect of, uh, of the business. But the WeWork of the early years, we're talking about especially 2012, it was actually a profitable company. I mean, how was this company at the, the beginning? Because it's interesting to see the change also over the years. Yeah, in its history, uh, you know, now 12 years old, WeWork has had one profitable year and that was 2012, I think, mm -hmm. 2011. Um, I, I think what happened at first is they, um, they did sort of really hit on uh, this geyser of demand and realized that there was this uh, sort of millennial hipsterified, uh, very Berlin-like or, or Brooklyn-like demand for, for casual office space and not having something that looks like a cubicle. And so they, they found just a lot of people working as graphic designers who wanted to be around others. So, so that was real. And they... The other thing that happened, as you mentioned, was the real estate market was was much different. It, it was landlords really rents were very low because it was after the recession. So uh, WeWork is basically I mean, the business model is just arbitrage. They, they lease office space at one rent and then they sublease it at, at a different rent. And so the that arbitrage was working really well at first because the rents that they would rent from landlords were really low. And then the, the graphic designers and photographers and whoever else was wanting to take office space was willing to pay a decent rent. And so uh, th th that made for a great business. Uh, the, 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 the flaw came when they thought they could sort of scale it and, and um, it, it, you know, replicate it around the world really rapidly. And, and you know, thus began their, their many years of, of really large losses. Yep. So uh, after this point, uh, WeWork was, uh, as we said, uh, a profitable company. Uh, Adam Newman had a grandiose vision where to bring the company going forward. Uh, he actually secured the first uh, deal, uh, which was with, uh, with, uh, with Benchmark, um, that um, I think valued the company at over 100 million uh, after a very short period of time, which was already a lot of uh, money. And yet this was not enough for, for Newman because uh, later on, uh, as you recount in the book, actually there would be another uh, deal also with the, with the Goldman Sachs um, where Adam Newman played the East cards very, very well. What happened there? Like uh, how did uh, um, WeWork manage to become a valuable company, at least in the, in the private market uh, so quickly? Um, can you tell us a little bit of some of the, the, the main deals that actually made this uh, possible? Yeah, so with Benchmark, um, I think that was the sort of uh, one of the most influential investments in, in, or it was the most influential investment in sort of WeWork's history and that guided lots of things because Benchmark is this really well-known name in, in Silicon Valley. They, they were the first, you know, big check into Uber. Uh, they, they became famous by, by backing eBay early on and making one of the best um, returns in all of venture capital ever. And uh, he, he basically just met one of the partners um, through, you know, through networking 
and really impressed him with with his his sort of drive and, and his salesmanship. Um, and then, you know, showed off the business and was like, look, it's already profitable. And these guys are used to, to sort of software companies. And so then he, he, you know, impressed another partner there and eventually convinced them um, that, uh, you know, I think they basically thought, we don't really know much about this business. It does look like real estate, but he seems like this incredibly talented entrepreneur who has all the sort of bravado and salesmanship that, that make uh, good tech entrepreneurs these days. And so they gave him the money. And so then what happened is that that brought on a lot of other interest from other investors later. So, so he, he did turn down investment from Goldman Sachs uh, the next year um, because the valuation was too low. It was only $200 million and he, he thought they should be worth $400 million. And then he found someone to give him, you know, value him at, at $400 million. And then soon thereafter, uh, JP Morgan's asset management arm valued them at a billion and a half dollars. So it really sort of, I think in, in venture capital, a lot of these these investors will sort of look to each other for signals. And if if everyone is running in one direction, they, they all start running in one direction. And, and so that th that's basically what started early on with WeWork and Benchmark. Yeah, and as we see in the story, uh, actually the ability of Adam Newman to to uh, turn uh, around the narrative around the company. Uh, would change uh, various times, and to use a, a, a bad word, would uh, pivot various times throughout the years. Because, for instance, uh, when, um, um, as you said, Adam Newman managed to make the company uh, valued at uh, almost half a billion, uh, he also knew at the time that being a tech company meant uh, being valued uh, way more than uh, uh, you had uh, on, on the balance sheets. And so at the time, it started to think already at, uh, at a sort of business model because uh, um, when, uh, you know, right now the, the software as a service industry is a huge industry. You have many uh, multi-billion dollar players. It's a huge market. But at the time, of course, uh, Adam Newman had already in mind uh, WeWork um, to, to frame WeWork as a tech company and uh, to frame it uh, as a space, as a service business model, which would be also one of the things mentioned in its uh, um, financial prospectus as the company would try to IPO much later on in 2019, as we see. So um, th there would be a very important step. And before we get to that, though, there is a very important uh, point to, to highlight, which is uh, part of the contradiction of the whole story of, uh, of uh, WeWork and Adam Newman. Uh, as we, as uh, he was closing those deals, actually, he was carrying... Um, some, uh, you know, also personal uh, deals out of uh, out of uh, those venture capital investments. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more how he and he managed to actually pocket from those investments and, uh, um, you know, also finance uh, his own uh, lifestyle? Yeah, I, I think um, one of the most, you know, the, the the important themes that runs through Adam and WeWork's story is that Adam loves money. Uh, and he loves personal enrichment. And even though this is all a company that's named, literally named we, uh, and, and all, you know, he would very frequently say things like, uh, we, you need to put we over me. This is about all of us. It's not about an individual. He was probably the most selfish person I've ever covered, uh, you know, as a reporter. So he, uh, starting in the first round of funding, um, took some money out for himself, uh, I believe it's around a million, um, be off by a million there. And then basically every round after that, with a couple of exceptions, um, every time he 
would negotiate to take out greater sums for himself. Mm -hmm. um, and so each time the board of directors or, or the investors thought, well, you know, he just needs a little more money and then um, the, the, that he can have a nice lifestyle and then he'll be focused on the business. But um, it, he would negotiate these rounds where, where these investors would come put in money. They'd be like, oh, I wanna put in 200 million. He's like, well, I only have room for 150 million. Maybe you could buy some of my shares. Hmm. Um, and so it's the type of thing that just, I, I think he just liked it. I, like he likes money <laughs> and later on he would borrow money and, and he also would buy properties and lease them to WeWork. And so th these became really problematic later on in life. Um, and uh, we were later on in WeWork's life. Um, but, but at the time he was just very focused on, on sort of one thing. Yeah, and uh, two, two key points. One, of course, uh, there is uh, nothing bad in uh, liking money, especially if you're doing business. The problem is he was on the one side, uh, you know, uh, predicating the, the, the gospel of, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the community. And on the other side, uh, he was uh, cutting deals uh, on, the, on the back of uh, his own company. Uh, and um, and uh, another also key point is that as uh, we move forward, actually this could become um, uh, even uh, uh, even worse. So we see that the whole structure of the company would be actually uh, probably uh, created on the backbone of making sure that this company could finance the the, the personal lifestyle of uh, Newman and uh, his family. And um, again, the interesting uh, interesting part uh, is that uh, on the one side there were you know, um, sort of uh, predicating to everyone how they ought to live, but then uh, they also uh, were doing the, the the opposite of that. So probably this is something that uh, didn't help. But going back to to the to the business uh, story, um, I think that there was a um, after we go. Uh, just to recap a little bit, uh, we have the first investment uh, by Benchmark, which is uh, quite. Uh, you know, known venture capital firm. And uh, of course, uh, for, for the first companies that cut into uh, deals with, with Adam Newman, uh, uh, they saw the company was valuable at the time. There was a big opportunity. And that anyhow, probably by giving the money to someone with this grandiose vision like Adam Newman would have created a valuable company. So for them, the initial risk was uh, relatively uh, low. As we move forward, uh, of course, uh, there, there will be a lot of other cases in which uh, the, the context was right also for Adam Newman to take advantage of uh, the situation. And um, there will be like a turn of event in which um, uh, pretty much we work got valued over a billion. So it entered the, 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 uh, the, um, the unicorn first and actually uh, it entered the, the, the Decacorn, meaning a company valued more than 10 billions when he cut the deal uh, with the, with the mutual fund with the fidelity can you tell us a little, a little bit more about that because i, I think this is a extremely important point because being a decagon at that time meant also being uh, in the in the um, you know uh, at the center stage of uh, the digital uh, revolution so also saying okay this tech company now have been have been validated by by the market yeah, so I think in, in this this sort of year and a half stretch, I think, so it was, um, I think, early 2014, very early 2014 through um, mid-2015, they went from being worth a billion and a half to, to 10 billion, and, and not much had changed in the business. They were just sort of continuing a pace. And they, Adam, Adam sort of pivoted from, from marketing WeWork as 
uh, the physical social network and sort of playing off. He's like, the iPhone was about I, we're about we, to um, you know, focusing much more on on the the hot trend of the moment in, in fundraising, which was uh, the sharing economy and the shared economy. And so, um, Uber and Airbnb were the hot companies in the moment. And so he said, just like you know, Uber and Airbnb used cars and apartments, we we do that with offices. Now that of course was completely different business model. Neither Uber nor Airbnb actually leased or owned their cars. They're using other people's and, and they're they're in theory just sort of a tech uh, marketplace that, that connects people. We were was leasing buildings and building desks and spending money to build, you know, buy glass and and, and beer and kombucha um, and paying people at the front desk. So um, it was a very what you call asset heavy business model. Um, but so he was, regardless, he was able to still capture the, the you know, the moment and, and the vibe of, of uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, uh, that investors were, were feeling when they were throwing money at Uber and Airbnb and kind of get lumped in that. And so he, he found um, very willing, uh, eager investors in mutual funds um, and uh, mutual funds that were actually competing with each other. Uh, and so th they were sort of, um, were overlooking WeWork's negatives and just focusing on the positives because they, I think they sort of needed to believe a story because they had, they were suddenly interested in spending a lot of money on, on unicorns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, also a very important point to highlight also to make the audience understand the context. Uh, here we are living in a, in a, in a time, uh, you know, 2014, 2015, where mutual funds uh, were were late in the game, uh, and um, they were taken aback also by the fact that uh, index funds uh, had become extremely successful. They were trying to actually uh, show that uh, they could uh, be successful as well by playing the, the 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 venture capital game, and also the amount of money that was available to them was so large that also placing a large check for the venture capital firms. It was a small check for actually the, the mutual fund firm. So for Fidelity also, uh, you know, giving a, a few hundred million dollars check to, 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 to uh, WeWork was a very small uh, compared to, to the ability and the firepower that the mutual fund had. And again, it had to show that they could uh, actually uh, enter the game and be innovative where uh, otherwise the retailer investors would otherwise invest just in index funds, which are just replica of, uh, of indexes that we have. So there is not active uh, management and uh, they get, let's remember that mutual funds get a lot of uh, uh, management fees for the work that they do. So if uh, you don't perform well on the market, then why do you exist in the first place? So this was a little bit also the context. And Adam Newman understood that and understood how to take advantage of that. And uh, what happened, uh, uh, a little bit of details of uh, the, the Fidelity investment, because uh, uh, there was also the, uh, the, the, the same uh, pattern that we see throughout the story where also there Adam Newman did a couple of things. One was that uh, he also managed to uh, get a few millions for himself, I guess, out of the deal. And uh, the other key important point is that he managed to um, uh, create a control structure where uh, he uh, had uh, the control of the company even uh, if he was going to sell most of uh, the shares. Yeah, precisely. I think that is one of the most important points in the whole WeWork story that, that 
enabled it to be so sort of fiery and crazy. Um, somewhere around 2014, 15, 15, I guess, he uh, gave himself uh, 10 times the votes of, of everyone else, uh, essentially, or most everyone else. And so it, 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 normally in, in business, you, you know, in corporate America, you have one share as one vote. And so if you happen to own 51% of the shares of a company, you control the company. Um, Adam, you know, ultimately only held 25, 30% of, of WeWork, uh, but was, could have, you know, stayed the majority shareholder by, by selling off a lot of its shares because he had 10 shares per, per vote. And uh, this was essentially meant so he could <laughs> rule it as his own company and, and not uh, be responsible to shareholders. And that was... I guess something that was really sort of taking off in Silicon Valley and has continued to, uh, all because of this sort of um, myth uh, of, of the founder uh, or, or, or uh, mystique of the founder, depending on, on your, how you see it. Um, and so Silicon Valley venture capital firms were just sort of enamored with founders uh, because these were the people who you know, would, would take their money. And so that they, they would lavish them with with praise and say, you guys are, are amazing. You're a special person, please take our money. Uh, and we're, you're so special that we'll even, if, if you take our money, we'll let you keep control of the company, even if you own 50, less than 50%. So, so that's what was happening with Adam. He saw that happening at companies like Snap and Uber and he wanted it himself. And uh, WeWork was a hot company, so he got it. Yeah, we'll see later also as uh, WeWork would approach the IPO in 2019 after a series of uh, twists, how uh, this thing, how the, the whole, uh, uh, you know, the corporate structure and uh, corporate governance structure will get even uh, crazier than that. Uh, we, we see that. But um, at some point in 2015, um, there was a person... Uh, I don't know if the name is pronounced right. It was like a Skorstein or something like that. Uh, they understood that um, uh, that WeWork was a bubble. Um, I, I, how did uh, he actually manage to understand that already in 2015? I, so yeah, you're referencing this landlord um, that we, we've made into a little character, Brandon Shorenstein. And um, he was a sort of young, um, you know, heir to this fortune in San Francisco that, a good smart guy um i think for people who you know for for, for myself uh like as, as a journalist at the time and and for people who would sort of sit down to think about it and weren't in didn't have money at stake um it, it was pretty clear uh but but not 100 clear that nothing about WeWork made sense um in terms of its valuation like it was just at heart a real estate company because the people who were going there were renting space not because they want a community, but because they wanted office space and they were paying office rents and uh, WeWork had office space related costs. And, it, you know, if there was something like uh, value to the energy in the space, it wasn't showing up in, which is what Adam said, it wasn't showing up in, in their finances. So um, it, 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 Brandon Shorenstein, I think, you know, he basically just uh, had dealt with Adam a few times and realized that there was this sketchy side to him because Adam tried to to give himself a um, a stake in in a building that they, they were talking about buying uh, and then leasing and Brandon thought that was pretty sketchy. Uh, it ended up not happening. Um, and then he just sort of looked at the business model more and it's like this makes no sense. Um, and so I think that was if you weren't part of the the herd, 
you could step back and be like, what is going on here? But but what happened with WeWork is, you know, Silicon Valley operates as a herd. And so people, you know, all these investors were just looking at the other investors and looking at Adam and, mm-hmm. you know, believing in the future that that, that was uh, a myth. Yeah. And um, as we move forward, um, I think there is an important point to, to highlight. Um, there, there was, a, a, like Adam Newman understood that uh, if you were, uh, we work and you were actually running a, a commercial building as a, as a, a tenant, um, you were also, um, you know, contributing to, to improve the whole building, the whole neighborhood. And you wanted to have a, a, a piece of cake of that. So there was um, uh, this structure of the company where at a certain point it started to, to uh, also um, invest in stakes of the buildings where it uh, was going to lease with WeWork. So also here we have a, a rising conflict of interest where we have uh, the Adam Newman on one side with a company that uh, uh, invests into the property and then on the other side, as a tenant uh, with WeWork, and as we know, uh, uh, the the two the the landlord and um, uh, you know the WeWork as a company have uh, two different objectives, uh, and uh, so the landlord wants to increase the the the, the lease, and then WeWork wants actually to uh, decrease the, the operational expenses uh, going forward. Uh, this will be very important, and yet uh, going forward. Uh, uh, important institutions like also JP Morgan uh, gave him a credit line of uh, $500 million. Uh, uh, we are still in 2015. So this is a very, very interesting point. Uh, so as we move forward, uh, um, th- there was a turning uh, event, that there was a turning uh, uh, point uh, for, for Adam Newman to finally, let's say, uh, give uh, you know, to, to amplify as much as possible his vision, which was the encounter with uh, with uh, Massason. Uh, can you tell us a little bit uh, more about that? He was, the, of course, the founder and CEO of uh, SoftBank. Yeah, so, um, well, there's a couple of times they met, so, uh, uh, you know, a couple of first encounters. So he first came across Massa um, in India at the start of 2016, and he had had this sort of raucous trip where, he was, uh, you know, really drunk and and uh, you know overslept and and uh, missed some important meetings. But eventually, he goes to this this big startup event and sort of meets Masasun there. And and um, this is the very time that Masa is trying to be, you know, he's a very active investor in the dot com boom, um, and then sort of shirked back and lost a lot of money and, and focused on on telecom. And now he was eager to get investing in startups again. So he sort of you know, makes a, a brief impression on Massa. And then the next time was much more important. He meets him, um, you know, at WeWork is looking to raise a lot more money and Massa has just raised the world's, gotten a commitment to raise the world's largest investment fund, um, mm-hmm. principally from Saudi Arabia. Uh, and Massa is in New York and uh, on his way to Trump Tower to meet the president elect and he swings by WeWork, where you know a, a mutual acquaintance had, had sort of organized the meeting, and he has 12 minutes. And Adam whisks him around and shows him the tech section of WeWork. And then on the car ride up to Trump Tower, uh, Massa sketches out um, a four billion dollar investment in, in WeWork, which was uh, you know became the second largest uh, investment in a startup ever. Yeah, and. Uh... 
for some recap of uh, the story. So we go from 2015, where again, uh, WeWork had uh, reached uh, valuation, uh, it was a Decacorn. So it was a company worth more than $10 billion. So of course the question for Adam Newman was, now what do I do next in terms of fundraising to increase, uh, still increase the value of my company to bring it to begin like you know, a 15, uh, 20 or $50 billion company. And this might seem crazy because, uh, you know, how do you actually can even do that? But uh, for Adam Newman, there was something that um, uh, he could do. So he, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, started to think about uh, other potential uh, uh, investors to enter the, the company. So he started to do like fundraising com campaign, especially, especially in, uh, in, uh, in China. Uh, and uh, eventually, as you said, uh, he had this encounter with, uh, with uh, uh, Mansa Son, who was the founder of SoftBank, that was at the time the largest investment fund that had uh, secured like uh, um, over $45 billion from, uh, from uh, Prince uh, Salman. Um, uh, and um, this gave uh, SoftBank a lot of uh, liquidity. And for a, li a little bit of context, uh, the Son, uh, Massa Son, the founder of SoftBank, was also, um, let's say, respected as an investor because uh, he had uh, done one of the most successful investments uh, in, the, in the tech world, which was the investment in, uh, in Alibaba, where I don't remember exactly, but I think he put like something like 10, 20 million dollars. Uh, 20, in yeah. Yeah, probably twenty billion. Yeah, million dollars, and uh, he made like billions out of uh, of uh, that uh, investment. So that gave him the aura of success. Even though, as you said, uh, he failed to actually uh, consolidate the the the, uh, the um, in the uh, communication industry when he tried to to merge to to, to merge uh, Sprint and uh, T-Mobile. It was uh, stopped by regulators. I mean, there were many things that happened in the in the middle but can you tell us a little bit more about the this uh, character like the character of Maza uh, and how actually Maza unleashed the potential of Adam Newman in the worst possible way that would lead also to to the to the whole story yeah I think Maza is just has this absolutely insatiable appetite for risk and um, is willing to sort of keep betting the, the whole farm again and again on things that he feels strongly in. And he has a very strong sort of trust of his gut. He'll, he'll even say it at, at investor calls telling investors, um, you know, numbers are fine to look at, but really the way to invest is, is by using your gut. Uh, and he's like, it's like Yoda, use the force. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, um, you know, this is, became, as he likes to say, briefly the world's richest man in 2000 before, for a few days, uh, before, uh, the stock market or the tech bubble popped. And then he lost, proceeded to lose more than anyone had ever lost in history. So, um, he, he was sort of trying to come back on the ascent when he met Adam and was doing a decent job making his way there. He was a billionaire again. Uh, and then, yeah, comes across Adam. And then he he just had his sort of way of approaching startups was to always, it was it was almost comical how, how similar it was. He was, without even knowing much about a company, he, he'd basically frequently tell companies, you're not spending enough on growth. You need to increase your marketing spend. You need to grow faster. Um, and so people around him would, would coach these companies to meet with, who met with Masa to say, 
you, you know, basically knowing that Masa would tell them that they would say, well, I, I'm doing this. And then they'd just be ready to be like, okay, well, if I had twice as much money, I, I'll grow three times as fast. Um, and so um, that was his way of being. And he, he also told Adam once sort of famously, uh, you aren't crazy enough, you need to be crazier. Yeah, and uh, uh, that definitely helped Newman to push uh, uh, in, in, a, in a direction that would uh, uh, lead to uh, the, the WeWork story. But uh, uh, so what happened next? Like uh, uh, 2016, 2018, as uh, uh, WeWork secures this uh, huge amount of money from uh, SoftBank, uh, and uh, now it, it has to expand as much as possible. Uh, I know from the book that there are many crazy things that uh, happens, especially Newman that starts to uh, do acquisitions that uh, don't make any sense, like uh, your account, your account also of an acquisition of a, of a company, WaveGarden, called WaveGarden, mm -hmm. which actually made uh, artificial waves for surfing. What happened next? Yeah, so basically, the, as, as WeWork's valuation grows, Adam's head and ego grow and, and his ambitions grow. And so it's not just to make a big office space company. He wants to, I think he, you know, at a certain point, he really saw himself as, as a world leader uh, and, and on, on par with, with uh, heads of state. And so we have, you know, a couple of anecdotes where he, he went to um, the Capitol in, in the US and, and met with Chuck Schumer, um, the US Senator, and after he meets with him, he, he likes it so much. He tells it, he turns to his staff and he says, no more mayors from now, from now on, only senators. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and he, you know, meets with Justin Trudeau of Canada once, and then they want to have another meeting. And Adam said, like, sort of, you know, reschedules it at the last minute. And is sort of like, he, you know, Justin Trudeau can, can meet my schedule, which is not how you usually deal with a head of state. And he almost didn't go to a meeting with with uh, the British Prime Minister Theresa May. So his his like he had a very big opinion of himself. He he, he would tell people if I were to run for anything, it would be President of the World. Uh, obviously, an office that doesn't exist. And so this is just what came with with seeing WeWork grow and seeing his wealth swell on paper and uh, seeing all the money being thrown at him. And so with Masa, they contemplate this much 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 bigger investment. Um, where Adam asks SoftBank for $70 billion. And, you know, for context, no soft, no com company had ever raised more than, you know, a total of like 15 billion um, in the private markets. And so, you know, they, they sketch out a vision for WeWork and Masa and he sort of write on paper that they expect WeWork to be worth um, 10 trillion, am I going to get this right? $10 trillion in, in a few years. And at, at the time, um, by, by 2028, and at the time, no company had ever been, Apple wasn't even worth a trillion dollars. So, <coughs> excuse me, he, he really just has this incredibly inflated sense of what WeWork is capable of. And so starts to do crazy things like thinking he should, he tells aides he wants to buy Lyft. He wants to buy Sweetgreen. Uh, he, he wants to buy all the commercial real estate firms, Cushion and Wakefield, CBRE, Regis. I slash IWG. And so he just tries to sort of, buy, you know, in the end, he only ends up buying uh, relatively small companies at very high prices, uh, but uh, like meetup.com and they buy a, a, a coding academy and they start an elementary school. But uh, we were just sort of shoots in lots of different directions and, and Adam is, is increasingly uh, sort of unhinged. Yeah. Uh 
a key point uh, is our time is almost due. I'm not sure how much, how long you can continue, but uh, there are still a few uh, interesting aspects. Yeah, I have a few more minutes, yeah. Okay, so um, uh, pretty much, uh, you know, the 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 it, it was crazy. Uh, they had uh, this thinking that the company would be valued at ten trillion, and this uh, was a shared thought between Son and Newman. So, the the duo together was unleashed to something that we probably never seen. But um, um, then, in two thousand eighteen, going forward, uh, there is uh, market turbulence. Uh, the liquidity starts to be, uh, you know, much. Uh, less available than before. Uh, SoftBank, uh, the, the main fund, the vision fund of SoftBank actually uh, uh, burns out uh, billions of dollars. And at this point, actually, Son had promised to Newman to uh, buy out WeWork, make it a private company and bring it to become, as you said, a $10 trillion company by 2028. But things changed. Uh, Son, um, Massa Son also uh, had to change direction because the fund was not going in the right direction and it was getting a, a different uh, you know, um, uh, pushbacks from, from the main investors in the fund. Uh, so what happened next? Um, so yeah, on, on um, Christmas Eve in, in 2018, they're, they're, they're literally done with this deal. It, it's ready to close and it's gonna be the largest ever buyout of a startup. And uh, then um, Masa backs out and he calls Adam, well, Adam's in Hawaii and says, this isn't gonna happen. Um, so then Adam is sort of, you know, um, shaken and, and realizes WeWork is, is burning an enormous amount of cash because, you know, since 2013, the company has been basically spending $2 for every dollar it takes in. And it, they're basically, you know, at the current rate, if they kept accelerating, they, they would be out of cash by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So he... The, the end of the year in 2019. So, so he realizes they need to IPO, um, which is, you know, he's basically found all the private money there is to find in the private markets and, and you have to turn to the public markets. So uh, we were quickly starts to pivot to try to, uh, you know, go public and, and reveal its finances. And it's going to be judged by, uh, you know, the market as opposed to just one or two investors who, who determine a price. Uh, and so th- that sort of sets it down on the path for, for its ultimate demise, uh, because <laughs> private markets were, were sort of uh, acting as a herd, and he was able to man- manipulate that herd. Um, the public markets are, I guess, maybe a much bigger herd, and uh, the, the magic uh, was going to wear off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so, um, as we said, uh, different turns uh, uh, of events where he was supposed to uh, go uh, private, uh, getting bought by uh, SoftBank for twenty billion, uh, be just a private company, and uh, realize this uh, multi-trillion dollar, um, you know, valuation dream, and then finally the the market uh, turned uh, on its back, and therefore uh, SoftBank had to change direction. It couldn't finance anymore the, the acquisition of uh, WeWork in the private market, and then on the other side, actually WeWork turned out to be one of the most uh, uh, the, the the largest failures that uh, that uh, SoftBank had taken, and therefore also for uh, for Massa there was a there were huge drawbacks because uh, for a bit of context at the time Massa was trying to raise a second fund, a second mission fund that was supposed to be even 
larger than the first one, and it would have taken over the whole tech world. But as the WeWork story unraveled, actually, uh, he uh, wasn't able to secure additional funds because there was no other investor, uh, even in the in the Arabic countries, that were available to give money to 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 Masa um, as the, the the situation had evolved in this way. And then we go toward to the IPO. So. We work figures. Okay, let's uh, uh, let's uh, go to the IPO. We go public and we get the money from uh, from the from the public. But uh, things uh, also happen very faster. Uh, where they uh, listed, um, actually they they um, submitted the the S one form, which for a bit of context is the form that you had to send over to the to the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission, in order for you to list on the public market. And this S one form was actually I remember seeing it in two thousand nineteen as uh, soon as it came out. It was more like a marketing uh, marketing plan. There, there were uh, different uh, uh, things that made uh, the public uh, go crazy about uh, the, the IPO we work. Can you tell us a little bit, uh, some of the details about what happened uh, during that time? Yeah, so I think there were sort of three things that were kind of crazy about the S1 when it, and, and when it dropped, I was, I was hiking um, with some friends and there wasn't, you know, it was a multi-day trip and there wasn't cell service uh, for some of the days. And then I turn on my phone and I just get flooded with these, these text messages before I'm able to, to check the internet. And it, it was all just like, oh my God, did you just see this? And I, I knew what it was. It was I knew we were, you know, because I knew they were preparing this. I knew people just found the, their financials crazy. So there, there were three things. I think it was worded in this kind of crazy way, very Rebecca Newman, where where they dedicated it to the energy of we. Um, and then uh, you know talked about how the company's mission was to elevate the world's consciousness. So that then there were uh, the basic financials of the business, which which were pretty abysmal. Um, and then uh, the third was was probably the most concerning, which is it was just filled with conflicts of interest. And so, um, you know, these things that, that had been written about some by me uh, beforehand, where some of them, um, where he was leasing properties to, to the company um, and, you know, the, the place was filled with, with relatives of, of him and his wife uh, in the upper management. Um, what then happens is, is you know, people also see this how he how he uh, was uh, had had profited off of of literally the name We. It wasn't much money, but but he sold the trademark to the company. Um, and uh, I think the, the sort of the internet went crazy. And and I, I've never seen such a one sided take on on a company before an IPO. And just everyone was like, "What is the deal of this company?" And no one was defending it as a good investment. And uh, so that, that that's a really bad place to be in when when you're trying to IPO because a lot of that is about momentum. And so uh, basically, the bankers who are working on the deal just watch as and, and sort of quickly realize the the valuation is going to be much lower than than Adam had hoped. Yeah. So fast forward, they they submit this S one. The internet goes crazy. Twitter goes crazy, as you said. Uh, many articles, and you also contributed to that, I guess, with one of your articles in shaking the situation even further. Uh, but uh, the uh, things, uh, the thing goes out of uh, control, and um, uh, the pretty much what happens next is that uh, uh, Adam Newman. Uh, 
as you said, the valuation was supposed to be over 40 billion, but then uh, it would end up being way less also than 8 billion. So it was uh, be uh, from, uh, from uh, a company worth almost 50 billion to less than 10 billion was like a huge drop. And actually the company was risking to go to zero because the, the money was uh, running out. Uh, and so it was risking to, to go bankrupt. Uh, so uh, pretty much there was pressure on Adam Newman to, to leave the company. Uh, he had to do that. Uh, what happened next? Uh, how was it handled? How the story eventually uh, um, end up? Yeah, so they're basically about to start the Rojo to go IPO. And then I'm working on a story about his, um, kind of about how, how crazy he is or people around him think he is and, and all the sort of crazy stuff he does and how he thinks he tells people he wants to be president of the world and um, how he's a total party animal. Uh, and when I, after we send them fact-checking questions on that, um, they, they postpone the IPO, realizing that you can't have this article come out in the middle of a roadshow, and uh, which is the two-week period before an IPO. So that, that sort of, then the article comes out and the board uh, at that point realizes that Adam just can't it, it be CEO. Like the, the company can't go public with him at the helm. And so then uh, they say, you know, either we're going to quit or you have to quit uh, because even though you control the board, um, we aren't going to support you as CEO. And so he re realizes the sort of financially rational thing to do and doesn't want the company to go to zero. So, so he steps aside uh, and um, that's sort of, yeah, the dream is done. Uh, and so then soon thereafter, um, you know, the company is, is about to go insolvent. They, they had even less cash than they thought they did. And they sort of raced to put together a rescue plan, cut thousands upon thousands of jobs and, and uh, you know, raise multiple more billions of dollars and ends up being from SoftBank at, at this $8 billion valuation. And then I think the sort of most you know, poetic part of, 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 of you know, the end of the, the, this, this saga is that um, right as the Adams negotiating with SoftBank uh, to, because he still you know, controls all his shares, um, he gets them to give him one of the most generous, if not the most generous uh, severance packages of all time. And so he leaves with, uh, depending how you want to count it, um, $185 million fee, um, another billion that he can sell of his own stock that he already owned. Um, and then, you know, they refinance a, a $500 million loan um, at a favorable rate. And so, you know, basically has access to $1.7 billion uh, just to stop being the CEO of the company that he or stop being on the board and controlling the company that he founded. Crazy. But did you eventually uh, catch the money? Did you eventually catch the money or uh, um, was there a legal battle? Uh, yeah, so th 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 that's what they agreed to. Then there was a legal battle. Um, he, he ended up getting... He actually ended up renegotiating again in his favor, so he, he ended up doing quite well. Uh, so he he ended up getting like you know over two hundred million dollars of cash, wow. uh, and you know if we were stock, it's a certain threshold. He gets much more money, uh, another two hundred million plus. Um, so <laughs> he's he's it was tended to be a really awful negotiator when it came to buying property, buying things with WeWork's money. But but for his own you know compensation, he he was an excellent negotiator. Yeah, really. So, and uh, the uh, end of this story is, uh, is that eventually, uh, I think in uh, 2020, 
uh, as Adam Newman uh, got out, uh, he cashed the, the money also. But uh, WeWork eventually would manage to, to get listed uh, through, uh, through a SPAC. So the, the special uh, purpose acquisition um, um, vehicle where, uh, you know, he managed to, to, I think, to get listed eventually. And the company now, if I'm not mistaken, is worth uh, like about $5 billion. And there is a movie coming out as well, I think, uh, from... Uh, Apple Plus uh, is the story based also on, uh, on your book. I mean, uh, <laughs> um, that one is an eight-part TV show. Um, that that is actually based on a a podcast that, uh, if you grumbly ask me, I would say is is largely based on Wall Street Journal stories, but but mm-hmm. that's probably not how they would would, would refer to it. Um, it's but it's it, I've seen the first few episodes. It, it's uh, Jared Leto stars he, as Adam, and and he is very good. Uh, at, at, you know, emulate, like, you know, from the accent to just the mannerisms, he really gets at them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a fun tale. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, this is the perfect story to make it into into a movie or like a series. Absolutely. And uh, to close this up, um, I think uh, the the story of Newman is incredible. Is not, uh, um, you know, like a Terranos uh, thing, but uh, uh, very, very close to it for uh, in some ways, even though the underlying business uh, was was good, it was a good business, just like uh, extremely, extremely over, overvalued. Uh, can we close this up? Uh, what, what were some of the key lessons uh, you think uh, we can learn from uh, from this story? Um, I, I think that uh, the biggest thing that I took away is that that smart people can really lose grip of, of e- even smart investors can really sort of lose grip of, of reality or gravity. And wh- when you go in a herd, you can just uh, sort of forget where uh, your bearings. And so it, with WeWork, it was just so obviously in, in hindsight and, and to summarize at the time, a real estate company, but but just because of the power of persuasion and, and sort of these incentives that were baked into venture capital, everyone saw it as a, a software company or a tech company, um, even though it really exhibited almost no similarities other than fast growth, which was really just fueled by more venture capital. So um, you you had literally some of the top minds in finance. I mean, you know, Jamie Dimon and, and David Solomon from, from, from Goldman Sachs and uh, down to some of the best venture capitalists and, and, and mutual funds. And thousands of people at WeWork all just believing this thing that that was completely hollow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think it's sort of, you know, you need to have critical thinking and and in bubbles and in, in manias, we, we forget to do that. So um, that I think is the for me the biggest takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. And also the contracts between like private, private and public markets, and especially when there is a lot of liquidity, it's very, it's very easy to fall into those traps where if you're able to control the narrative, you can actually get a much larger valuation as Adam Newman did. So for the audience that is going to be listening, of course, they can read the whole stories in the, in the Cult of We, which is a great book, a lot of fun reading it. And thanks, thanks, Elliot, for joining the, the conversation. It was a pleasure. Sure thing. Really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the interview and the stories that we managed to tell in this in this episode of WeWork, one of the most incredible 
um, probably startup stories that there are in the in the last decade. So uh, before we get to the end of the show, let me recap a few things that are important to highlight. And also the story is so um, incredible that actually it's turning into an Apple series where there is the, the, the main character that, he, that plays, that portrays Adam Newman that is going to be played by Jared Leto. Now, to recap a little bit the story, uh, Adam Newman was uh, an entrepreneur, a tech entrepreneur, actually started uh, as an entrepreneur coming from Israel to New York, where uh, he found uh, his place on earth and he started to, uh, ex- you know, just to experiment with various, uh, ent- you know, with various startup ideas. Coming from an experience as a kid where he lived in a kibbutz with uh, his, uh, his family's mother, um, since his uh, parents were uh, divorced. Actually, he learned the importance of community. He also was very, very, very social, but at the same time, he also learned that he needed uh, money and he wanted to uh, make a lot of money in business. He started to experiment with various business ideas, among which um, there was like crawlers, uh, sort of uh, baby uh, clothes, uh, baby line uh, clothes uh, that, he was uh, also there. He proved that he was very successful as a salesperson, but the the business was not going anywhere. Also, he was not passionate about the product. He didn't know anything about being uh, a parent, and also eventually uh, crawlers would go, you know, uh, w- would be not a successful startup. Though um, after brainstorming many many ideas, as he wanted to get into the, the entrepreneurship scene, and uh, his sister was living in New York, and they were living together, and actually the the, the sister of Adam Newman was a model in New York. Uh, he also had the chance to meet many many people also in the in the jet set, so many uh, famous people. And in the meantime, he had experimented with another uh, startup idea, which was Green Desk. Now, this was the first successful start- startup idea, and we are in the more or less in the year 2009, 2010, 2011, this, this is the period. And uh, pretty much we are in a period where uh, there, we are going to the, the end of the, the one of the largest recession that we had in the, in the last decades. So the commercial real estate space definitely was not looking good. And, uh, you know, commercial units were uh, renting cheaper because uh, landlords didn't know what to make of them. And so this was... Uh, also a scenario where many people that were laid off uh, also started uh, their own thing. Many were starting to freelance, many others actually were starting to make money on, uh, on, um, on uh, platforms. Uh, and this was really the rise of the gig economy, an economy where uh, you, know, you could uh, share things and uh, you know, benefit from this sharing by just paying, uh, uh, you know, use paying for the use of those things. And that's where WeWork came in. So just like Uber uh, or like Airbnb, so just WeWork as well had the idea of making possible for companies to uh, have uh, entire spaces, office spaces, uh, very flexible spaces organized entirely by WeWork so that they could sort of outsource the office building and also let's say the community or the team building part to, to WeWork. 
So the first successful attempt of a startup was Greendesk, where again, the, the main concept was arbitrage. So it was real estate arbitrage, where you actually uh, lease uh, um, a commercial real estate property in the long term, and then you uh, sublease it in the short term so that you can speculate on the difference between the short term rent and the long term rent. Yet this was real estate. However, Newman and uh, McKilby, uh, his first uh, partner, actually uh, saw the success of the, the enterprise and they wanted to expand. Newman already shown a very uh, you know, visionary approach where he already had in mind the idea to scale up uh, as a billion dollar company. But this was not something that was shared by uh, one of the early investors in this Green, De uh, Green Desk startup, which was also the owner of, uh, of the property. So the owner of the property uh, bought uh, the two, um, uh, you know, the, the two out, Newman and uh, and the main, uh, uh, you know, and the, the main partner. So they made their first half a million, uh, pretty much dollar each. And Newman gave this money to his partner saying, you know, just save it because otherwise I'm going to spend it all so that we can keep this money for our next uh, venture. And in this, uh, in the meantime, actually, uh, this was also the time where the iPhone came up and uh, uh, this idea of uh, I actually would be reframed by WeWork as a we, as a, as a place for community, not a place for just myself, something bigger than myself. This would be an idea that, you know, would, uh, would be like the main storytelling of the company. But in the meantime, as uh, Adam Newman had found, uh, you know, the main partner for to, to start later on WeWork, he also had found his main partner in life, which was Rebecca Parkrow. Rebecca Parkrow was the, uh, the, the cousin of Winnie Parkrow, very famous actress. And, um, Rebecca, uh, since the start, when he met Adam, there are a few interesting stories in the book, The Cult of We, where he actually, um, uh, she meets uh, Adam Newman and, uh, you know, she tells him that he doesn't have a real scope in life and he wants, he just wants to make money and that's, that was correct. But she tried to really bring Adam Newman in this new age uh, sort of um, uh, road where he needed to think in terms of how can I create an impact in the world and how can I change the world. And this would be a current theme in the WeWork story, even in the, um, among the many uh, paradoxes and um, contradictions that uh, made the story uh, so interesting where you know you have many conflicts of interest uh, they um, the, the the Newman uh, family living uh, a lifestyle of, uh, of a royalty family but on the other side um, you know predicating actually um, sort of uh, telling others to to live according to meaning, not according to means. So this is another of those things that make the, the story uh, such en uh, enjoyable to, to, to read. Anyhow, uh, WeWork finally uh, gets founded. We are around like 2011-2012 on the idea of on green, on green Desk, so expanding on that. And the idea comes from the fact that uh, opposite to the iPhone, which is about I, WeWork is about We, is about the community. So they start this company, uh, the company takes off and it's important to highlight that also the, the company was profitable in the, its first years of operation. Actually 2012, if I'm not mistaken, was the, the, the most profitable year of the company. So it was actually an interesting company to run. And uh, there is another point that uh, as uh, Adam Newman was hanging out with uh, Rebecca Paltrow, actually uh, he um, uh, hanged out in this uh, Kabbalah center, which was a sort of center where there were uh, 
uh, all those uh, famous uh, or well-connected people um, with those uh, new age ideas about um, you know uh, how they ought to live their life about meaning and those sort of things but anyhow this was a network of people that helped Adam Newman also kick off its opera his operations because actually in the Kabbalah Center he met many uh, people that uh, would uh, help him out uh, later on uh, throughout uh, the, the early years also in the network of uh, Rebecca Newman Adam Newman uh, borrowed many uh, friends and family members that would become the top management within the company we see that we work also when it reached a huge valuation it was a family company run uh, at uh, you know at the wheels of uh, Adam Newman now um, after WeWork was a profitable company in 2012 it started to evaluate uh, uh, funds investment you know investors fundraising and Adam Newman was very very good at this game the first uh, VC uh, com the first VC firm that Adam Newman approached was uh, was Benchmark and Benchmark is a, is a very well-known VC company that do invest in tech startups so really when they approached Adam Newman they thought uh, you know what what what's uh, what is this about I mean this is a real estate company um, but Adam Newman on the other side was claiming uh, that uh, this was a tech company he would uh, as we'll see he would change the narrative of the company many times over <laughs> during those years um, according to the frame and the narrative that would make the company more valuable in the private market so uh, he got his first investment from a benchmark which valued the company in the 100 million in a very short time frame and so Adam Newman understood that he had the, ch the chance to actually make the company way more valuable in the in the in the private market so he was approached by Goldman Sachs with a valuation of 200 million and he said no because he said the company was worth way more and actually this approach worked out at least in this scenario where liquidity was there was a lot of liquidity available and the company um, actually uh, became very valuable because uh, at least in terms of valuation because finally it managed to get an investment uh, um, on a higher valuation than Goldman Sachs making the company worth it, uh, almost half, half a billion and in this uh, period there was also an important change so going from 2012-2013 uh, going forward there was an important change also in the Newman style where, he, um, where the company went from a profitable company to a company burning cash and just focusing on growth now this is also a period where the the corporate structure the weird the corporate structure of the company would uh, take shape because in this period actually uh, the company um, the 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 conflict uh, the conflict of interest between we work as a company and Adam Newman would uh, come up uh, first because uh, Adam Newman uh, each time closing a new deal with uh, with the private investors he would actually ask for uh, personal loans or uh, even uh, drawing some money out of the deals so along the lines of saying okay I close the deal with you I deserve a sort of a commission on this deal so he was cashing out uh, on each deal so this is a first conflict of interest another conflict of interest that would be recurring throughout the WeWork story and as the company got bigger and bigger even worse and uh, really something that uh, could not be unraveled if not with the, with the, the with the company losing a lot of money was the fact that Adam Newman um, uh, thought that he needed to be also in the uh, in the property side so 
He didn't want to be just in the in the leasing side. He wanted to be in the property side uh, by uh, investing in the property where the company were uh, was going to lease. And you know, if he was doing that with the company itself over uh, a few times period, this would be fine because this would be sort of a vertical integration where yes, initially you start with a, an asset light approach, similarly to Uber and Airbnb, and over time you actually uh, take on more of the supply chain, which in this case means uh, buying also some of the key properties so that you can have more control you can lower the cost uh, the, the the rental cost and therefore create a sort of a scale but the problem is he was doing that uh, on uh, with with another company and a personal company when it comes to the property side so he was creating conflict uh, conflict of interest uh, all over and he was allowed to do that also because the company was very hot he was very good and charismatic and um, this was a period of uh, liquidity and uh, also the first uh, firms that invested into the company figured that even though the company wouldn't be uh, you know um, uh, like a massive company but yet become a multi-billion dollar success they still would make a lot of money out of this investment now throughout those years uh, adam newman understand that he needed a framing to make the company uh, a unicorn first and then a decacorn a company worth more than 10 billion dollars how did he do that well he actually uh, came up with um, a model called a space as a service which is something that we also will find in the financial prospectus so we work as uh, he try it tries to go public so to a, for a little bit of context one of the hottest market in the last decade has been software as a service meaning company that uh, offer software uh, under a premium uh, under a membership package so adam newman figured that uh, in order for him to tell that we work is a tech company he needed to have a business model that uh, was in line with what tech companies were doing and therefore he transformed this real estate business which was primarily an arbitraging uh, business opportunity into a space as a service at least in terms of narrative the funny part is that uh, as uh, WeWork became a very hot company and startup in New York it was also approached by mutual funds and one of those was Fidelity which cut a check for um, for WeWork making it uh, uh, over 10 billion dollar company and at the time actually Adam Newman was very smart because uh, Fidelity was a mutual fund they were running late in the game um, in the in the um, you know in the investing game and also they were sort of taken aback by the fact that index funds had become very very uh, successful and uh, popular so uh, pretty much uh, why would people uh, invest in uh, mutual funds or give their money to mutual funds if they were index funds they were performing better with the uh, mutual funds without uh, having any management structure in place because remember the index fund is just a replica of, uh, of an index so it, uh, uh, it it's uh, it's not managed it's uh, passively um, uh, created and it just follows along what uh, the main index is doing the index that is uh, replicating also for for fidelity and uh, for mutual funds in general the check that they were writing to WeWork was a small check so for VC firm firms the check that um, a mutual fund would be able to 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 write for a startup was was a huge one but for a mutual fund company actually was a small a small one because the mutual fund is playing a different game it has like uh, many many billions uh, in his pocket anyhow as we move forward to the story again we work is expanding it's becoming a massive company with a lot of liquidity given by private investors it's growing very rapidly and in at this time only it matters is growth remember we are in a time in which there is a lot of um, uh, liquidity 
And there is also at the time, uh, uh, you know, the, the main player in the real estate short-term lease, which is called Ricos, which actually um, asks, uh, uh, tries to understand what's the deal with this WeWork company because uh, they could not understand why the company would be worth many times over their revenues when instead a company like Rigus would be worth way, way less. But anyhow, as we move forward to the story and uh, as actually WeWork uh, would gain a huge valuation, it's uh, interesting that uh, they needed to understand how to uh, make the company even bigger. Now that the company had become you know, a decacorn, how do we actually get to the point where the where the company is worth, uh, worth like 40, 50 billion dollars. So Adam Newman start again his uh, um, path going uh, forward uh, to, to fundraising also because the company was burning a lot of cash and uh, it would be very soon where the company was running out of this cash. So he started to fundraise uh, in, uh, in China but uh, without much success until there was one important encounter with uh, Masa Son, the founder and CEO of SoftBank, one of the largest funds uh, that uh, would eventually build up what's called the Vision Fund, which was a $100 billion fund to invest in tech companies. Before we move forward to the story, just a little bit of context on the Masa Son, uh, the founder of SoftBank, where he's coming from. So Masa Son is a, is a, is a guy actually uh, uh, used his money to invest in tech startups since the early 2000s. Actually, uh, he would uh, uh, be one of the most successful uh, tech investors during the dot-com era until the dot-com bars and eventually he lost a lot of money. So he went from being among the top players in the space to being uh, not broke but almost. Though one investment was very successful for for Masason over the years was the investment in Alibaba where uh, Masa invested about 20 million and uh, made billions of dollars. It's very important to highlight that the success of this investment according to Masa was the fact that uh, he uh, through uh, gut instinct understood that Alibaba and Jack Ma would have been uh, like a huge success. So this is a, an important precedent because it, it will explain also his approach in investing uh, on uh, on Adam Newman company. And for a bit of context, uh, you know, the, the Masa empire was still growing thanks also to the investment in Alibaba, but it was trying to consolidate the, the career industry in the US by trying to merge Sprint and T-Mobile, but this was not successful. Uh, so SoftBank became more aggressive on the tech side. It went out, it created this vision fund where it managed to convince Saudi Arabia to invest and the Prince Salman to invest over $45 billion. Therefore, Saudi Arabia was the main investor in the vision fund. And it went out and um, when he met Adam Newman, uh, he was shown the, the facilities of WeWork and uh, in just 12 minutes. Adam Newman rushed into the car with Masason, which on the iPad uh, uh, sketched out the investment in WeWork, $4 billion, which was uh, you know, way more than uh, even um, Adam Newman had, uh, had asked. And this investment was made out of uh, pure gut. Actually, uh, Masason um, you know, saw in Newman something that was special, but he also said to Newman that in order for him to actually make uh, this company a uh, huge success, he needed to be even more visionary. So uh, let's say that Masason actually incentivized the behavior of Newman, making him uh, even more aggressive than he was. This um, 
investment of, uh, of uh, Masason uh, from SoftBank in WeWork was probably the most successful yet the one that would uh, lead to the story and the end of the story in, a, in an extremely bad way. Because as we move forward uh, toward 2018, uh, actually um, there, there will be several encounters between uh, Newman and Masason and the relationship was extremely good till the point where Son and Newman together were dreaming of a company that by 2028 would be worth $10 trillion. This was uh, the, the, the scale of ambition that they had together in a market that again uh, would probably fuel their ambition. But as uh, the, the, we approach 2018 and uh, there is the first market turbulence where liquidity started to drain out from uh, from the market um, many uh, investments of uh, of uh, softbank turns out to to go down and among those actually we work uh, turned out to burn much more cash than um, it was supposed to even though it was growing very fast it was not able to reach economies of scale for several reasons and um, some of those were the fact that uh, WeWork was embarking in crazy, in crazy ventures there were conflict of interest all over the places and uh, there were a lot of uh, operational inefficiencies some of, so to, to recap some of those points the operational inefficiencies were given by the fact that Till at a very wide scale, uh, we work was run as a family company at uh, really uh, just at the will of Newman. So whatever Newman wanted to do, uh, that's what the company was doing. Then uh, WeWork started to invest in uh, um, crazy ventures like when the company bought uh, another company that made waves just because Newman was was passionate about uh, surfing. And then there were conflict of interest all over the place uh, places where you know Newman was bought, a property owner was leasing the company, was getting loans out of the company to finance his own lifestyle from investment banks uh, just so that uh, he could uh, keep uh, living the life of a, of, a, of a royalty and so by 2018 um, you know even before actually they sketched a plan uh, Masason and um, and uh, Adam Newman to um, make WeWork a private company where Masason would buy out all the other investors for 20 billions and run the company as a private company and make it one of the most valuable companies on earth those plans didn't work out uh, the, it came like the market turbulence of 2018. Uh, the investors from Saudi Arabia uh, were very impatient. They started to uh, push Son. Um, and uh, also on the other side, the SoftBank was not able to um, uh, make a, a, first, a second fund because the idea of Masasan was to create a second vision fund which would be even larger than the first one to take over the tech world. Unfortunately though, as things were unraveling this way and stories were coming up of, uh, of WeWork, uh, scandalous um, situation, conflict of interest and everything else, Actually, um, Masason was embarrassed by many of those stories as he went to try to uh, raise funds all over, all over the places. Anyhow, we get to the point where uh, Masason uh, tells uh, Adam Newman that the deal is off the table. Adam Newman it's, uh, um, doesn't know what to do, so he figures that uh, one way to uh, keep uh, getting the money, because otherwise the company would risk to go bankrupt, is to go to uh, to an IPO. 
Uh, going to an IPO, they need to submit this financial prospectus to the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission. This financial prospectus finally goes through because there is no other alternative for the company uh, which needs money, cash, uh, as soon as possible. And as soon as it goes out, it starts to uh, it, it uh, sends the internet uh, on uh, crazy because like uh, uh, people all around like uh, analysts investors I, myself when i looked at the at the financial prospectus in 2019 as soon as it came out i found it uh, one of the craziest thing ever seen because again in the financial prospectus uh, it's true that uh, many startups over the years are also using it as a way to prompt investors to, invent in, uh, to invest into the company and therefore of course they try to say fav favorable things about the company, try to frame the company in a way that makes it more interesting and appealing. So there is sort of this uh, marketing part of the, the, the financial prospectus but, but it's still a technical document. Something that instead we were changed altogether was the fact that this financial prospectus became a marketing plan. <laughs> that, that was it. I mean, in the in the document, you found uh, mentions uh, um, of uh, Newman, like the charismatic charismatic leader, uh, many times over, and community probably was mentioned more than revenues. And uh, you see um, that this actually. Uh, this was the time when the whole story started to unravel. So the public was uh, felt a huge discomfort in the IPO of WeWork. Eventually, the the, the IPO was pulled off. Adam Newman was hosted uh, by the company, and yet he managed to uh, get out uh, with a huge, uh, uh, you know, pile of uh, of cash. That uh, you know <laughs> that that also uh, tell tell us a lot about this story. And eventually uh, the company had uh, to restructure itself, uh, there, there would be like legal battles between SoftBank and uh, Adam Newman and um, eventually the, the company would go public with the new management and everything else uh, through a SPAC, um, so a special purpose uh, acquisition company. Uh, there was a way for WeWork to go uh, public um, you know, after uh, the 2019 uh, you know, uh, failure. Also, because in 2020 there was again a door open for companies that tech companies that wanted to get to an IPO. But the interesting thing is, if we look at the valuation today, or we work through the SPAC is like five billions. It's uh, way way less than the 45 billions uh, valuation that it reached in the private market, and even uh, much lower, uh, more than 40 percent lower of the valuation that it would it would have gotten initially through an IPO, where the company would have been probably valued. Uh, around uh, 8 billion. Uh, but anyhow, this is this is the story. So interesting story turning into a series uh, in um, uh, through through Apple Plus TV. Uh, and a few uh, key points before we close this up and sorry for taking so long, but I, I thought it was very interesting to recap everything out for you. Uh, there is there are a few key points to highlight. First of all, the difference between the private and public market. Uh, when there is a lot of liquidity in the market, of course, um, the the uh, the private investors look for charismatic leaders that want to bring the company forward at a huge valuation. When you move to the public market, of course, you want to have a more sober CEO who actually is able to uh, handle the company and show the path toward the profitability. Also, when there is a lot of liquidity in times of vast liquidity. Uh, in the market, uh, everyone is focused on growth. When liquidity drains, actually, everyone is going to be focused on other things like gross margins, profits, and everything else. And indeed, there will be a few interesting articles of. Um, 
important investors uh, uh, telling how important was profitability and not just growth. I mean, something that is trivial. And yet it seems that uh, during those years, especially after the, uh, the end of the recession, uh, many investors had forgotten about that, like the company was not supposed to 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 make profits, but just to grow exponentially the, the revenue. There is a huge difference here. There is a, a couple of differences to make. One is uh, between Newman as a character and uh, Elizabeth Holm of, uh, Holmes of Tyrannus, which was uh, fraud uh, uh, that ended up very badly. Of course, the underlying uh, company was there. It was very interesting. It was an arbitraging opportunity. It was a huge opportunity, a multi-billion dollar company, which was there, was working. Uh, but again, the main problem were the, the way the company was managed, the crazy ventures in which invested, the huge fundraising that he managed to get in the short time uh, uh, frame and the huge conflict of interest that uh, there was between the founder and the company and also the lifestyle that he was having while on the other side he was, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, predicating to, 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 to uh, his employees about uh, leaving a, a uh, for for meaning not means and uh, then um, it's important when instead we look at the Terrano stories uh, with Elizabeth Holm there was a fraud and that's it because the product was not there at all so this is an important difference to make another difference is between you know sometimes people try to compare Newman with Musk and try to say that uh, similarly to Musk is a very charismatic leader there's a very important difference here Musk uh, yes he always had a grandiose vision but he also put a lot of skin in the game I never uh, you know created a conflict of interest like at, at the, the scale of Newman actually he put his money on stay, stake and in various uh, times uh, when creating his own companies like Tesla like SpaceX he uh, was close to bankruptcy when he was putting his own money in the game so there is there is really no comparison between the two yes of course two both of them have those grandiose visions but uh, while on the one side um, uh, Newman uses a lot of buzzwords to make uh, this vision come true and is about, you know, changing the world, making the world a better place. Newman uh, Musk is uh, much more about, you know, a grandiose vision because a vision that seems not to be accomplishable in a short time span, but uh, is actually on the line for that. So there is a huge difference. It's very hard to find you know, a comparison between the two because, uh, you know, many times it's easy to say, okay, this human is like Musk. No, those are two different stories. And then it's interesting also to um, highlight a little bit of uh, uh, what happened in terms of the VC loop, meaning that, uh, you know, venture capital firms in the private market, uh, uh, when there is a, a well-known venture capital firm investing, then the fundraising path becomes much easier, especially when there is a lot of liquidity because you can sell easily uh, your previous investment and therefore it creates a sort of, uh, you know, a positive loop where you gain valuation just because you had a previous investor which was well known uh, in, the, in, the, in the space, in the tech space. So those are some of the key points. This was the WeWork story. Again, The Cult of We is a great book. Read it and uh, I'll try to summarize the key points for you here.